Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Friday, September 25th, 2020, and it is time, donks, for Morning Combat. Hi, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am uh, at well, from CBS Sports and uh, Showtime and a million other places. I am joined by the gentleman who is, well, technically, you're on the other side of the screen. You're in our hearts, and you're in the room with me. Yeah. God damn it. Brian Campbell. It's not where you're from, Luke. It's where you're at. Right here in the Mohegan bubble. Double Charlo pay-per-view this weekend. UFC 253 as well. What a time to be alive. What a fun week to share with you inside the hotel room. A couple beers deep with the fans, with the people. CBS Sports HQ. This has been a fantastic. Uh, what a launch. What a launching pad, right? What are you? Why are you doing the wacky morning DJ radio bit with me? Hey, everybody. Live on the Mohegan Fly. Well, we're dressed up nice, and which was like the problem, right? <laughs> uh, very good. But he was right. Uh, we have a lot to get to today. UFC 253, we just did a hit for that on CBS Sports HQ. There's the Charlo Brothers thing happening. Oh, by the way. So we're going to dig into both of those. Obviously, at the top of the show, please do us a favor. Please uh, like the video. Hit that subscribe button, BC. We've been doing the room service diaries. We have not been hammering the folks to hit that subscribe button. People love them. But you got to hit that subscribe yeah, button if you love it. Because eventually we're going to get fired. So as long as this thing goes, please keep, try, to, try to keep it going with us. All right? We are headed towards Firesville, but can we have a comfortable ride along the way? That's all we're asking for. All right? Very good. Uh, and then, of course, if you'd like to try Showtime, you certainly may. You can go to Showtime.com and get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, go F yourself. And then lastly, if you want some of that sweet, sweet MK merch, you can go to store.show. That's S-H-O.com. Com. All right, BC, let's get right into it. Not a moment to waste. By the way, the weigh-ins for the Charlo doubleheader will be at 11 o'clock. We're going to be hosting that light right from this desk. But first, but first, BC, we got to get to UFC 253. We've been doing a lot of Charlo coverage. Let's put it for just a moment on the back burner. Let's get right to it. They just weighed in. Paulo Costa at Fight Island making 185. Adesanya making 184. Appears to be in tremendous shape. Okay, when you think about this fight, Adesanya versus Costa, what is sort of the one, I'm not storyline exactly, but when you think about the fight itself, what what are you going to be paying attention to most? Look, yeah, like obviously you love the fact that this is that rare unbeaten versus unbeaten for the championship and all the hatred and back and forth. But what you really care about is what happens when that bell rings inside the fight. And at its core, as we talked about, it's Bull versus Matador. I cannot wait to see what happens in that first round specifically. But in the early going, when Paulo Costa just puts on the, uh, I don't care what you hit me with, I'm coming forward. And, and comes at him. And obviously, uh, you know, if this fight goes late, it may look a little differently. But we saw both guys against Yoel Romero. And Luke, Costa's version of the Romero fight was just banging balls to the room. I mean, it was fan friggin' tastic at the core purity of who you are as an MMA fan to see something that wild. Both guys almost gassed out at the end of round one. I'm not saying it's going to look just like that because Adesanya is such a different fighter, more calculated, but Costa's going to make him fight. And at the core, that has to be the most exciting part. Obviously, we'd seen Izzy there before against Gastelum. We'd seen him against right. a guy who's going to make him pour out that jug. But, look, Costa's a little bit more dangerous, certainly bigger. And uh, the earlier he has success, the better his chances. Uh, Bull Matador, 
When you test the bull, be careful. You're going to get the horns. Either way, I'm horned up. I am so ready for this fight, Luke. All right, well, you had to make it weird. It didn't take you long. Here's the thing, though. I, w- I did a podcast with these submission radio fellas. Yeah, what's I- that guy's name? Dennis and Casper. Casper. The yes. reason I always forget slash remember Casper's name is because he spells Casper with a C. He's a well-dressed guy in person. Oh, buddy. he could, I mean, the best-dressed guy in MMA media, easily. I don't think it's – oh, well, Schmo might have something to say about that, right? Who's a better-dressed guy, Schmo or Casper? Here's the thing. Casper doesn't wear socks. Schmo wears socks. I think that's the, the deciding factor. Which one do you value more? Uh, I'm more of a Casper guy, but shout out to Schmo. I don't know who's bankrolling this guy, but he's everywhere. He's, he's everywhere. He okay? certainly he's ubiquitous. Making it happen. But they asked me a question which I thought was kind of interesting. They have heard some criticisms in their neck of the woods over in Australia, which was, well, isn't Costa a more dangerous version of Gaslam, which is to say Gaslam was doing the one where he was slipping, coming inside. And, hey, by the way, heading into the fifth round, that was 2-2. I mean, Adesanya in the end had that fifth-round gut-check moment that was incredible, but that was a very competitive fight. And my answer was, number one, I don't think Costa's going to be that competitive if it goes to the fifth. Like, I mean, he might have won the first three or something, but by round four, it's going to turn around, okay, number one. Number two, if you watch the uh, Gaslam fight and you were cage side for it, Adesanya did a lot of waiting for Gastelum. Not like, I'm just going to sit here and then just, you know, wait to see the whites of their eyes and then pop. But he kind of knew this guy was going to be coming into him. Let me kind of fix my position to a degree, maybe setting traps at the same time. I don't think he's going to do that with Costa, at least not to the same degree. You wait too long on that guy, and it's going to be bad news bears. He's going to roast your ribs. He's going to back you up. I think a lot of this is going to be Adesanya turning him, right? All these guys sit there, and they wait for this dude to barrel down on them. The bad stuff will happen to you. I think, as I said it on CBS Sports HQ, he's going to weaponize the forward progress against him. Here's the thing I mentioned to you, like, what were you going to be watching? Here's the thing I'm going to watch. At some point, probably several times, at a bare minimum. Let's say Adesanya has the best performance ever. At a bare minimum, Costa's going to land on him. He's going to land on him hard. What happens then? That, to me, is what I'm paying attention to. That's what you want to find out because Costa's proven he can get you out of there. As you mentioned, he goes so hard to the body, it wears you down. Uh, I want to see Izzy have to go through the flames. I love Adesanya's chances in round four or five if it gets there. I talked to Izzy before he left for Abu Dhabi, and I said, look, you know, you've said the things about uh, Paulo on PEDs. You're going to knock him uh, before USADA does all that stuff. But I said straight up, you know, do you think he can be there in rounds four and five and be fresh? And, you know, he straight up laughed and said, you know, hell no. You know, he's, he's a fuckboy. Hell no, all that stuff. But uh, round th- one through three are going to be hell. And I think when you take all things considered, they're dislike for each other. The legitimate thing that in MMA, it's really hard to stay unbeaten, and it's certainly hard to make a fight with two unbeatens. And we haven't seen that in UFC in general since Joanna and, and Carolina uh, four years ago. I, I just think anticipation-wise, Luke, where do you put this fight? I mean, it's not... The most anticipated fight I've ever had as a fan was the second Sun and Silva. Didn't live up to it, but you were just sort of like, can Chael do that again after just falling short? Uh, We always say Lesnar-Carwin with sort of almost a pro-wrestling type build to that. Uh, This one, just in terms of uh, maybe not as much the fanfare, but the real core of the fight, it's in my top five of most anticipated fights I've I've ever gotten fired up for. I mean, you know... So, I'm going to say this. For very different reasons, but, you know, you take a route one way, I take a route a different way, you end up kind of in the same position. I haven't been this interested in a fight, and as you mentioned, anticipating it since McGregor... Khabib. Yeah, you got to put that. That's If that's not in your top three, then you don't have a pulse. And right? I did not think that that fight was necessarily going to be as competitive as I think this one will be. I mean, but again, who knows? We'll have to see. 
But that was so big, so ugly. Uglier than this one, to be clear. Much uglier than this one. And so, you know, just crazy. You just couldn't wait to see what the hell was going to happen when they got across from each other. This one, these two guys ran to each other in the hotel, and they were professional enough to realize, let's wait for Saturday K-fave night. Kayfabe gonna... only, brother. Come on. Well, I don't care about any of that stuff. I'm not five years old. But th- the point being is they didn't get into some kind of fisticuffs outside. It doesn't reduce my interest at all, though, to your point. Everybody I've talked to has been like, why'd they do that, bro? Because they're human adults? I don't know. Um, so, yes, in terms of anticipation, it's pretty high. And as you mentioned, the undefeated part is really key because it's one thing to, like, you know, I spent, you know, a few years on the regional scene. I got 12, 15, and 0. And then you have, like, five, six fights in UFC, and you're really good. It's another one to be 20 and 0. And this is, depending on how you want to rate the interim title fights, this is either his second or third title defense. For Adesanya, that is spectacular. Someone asked me a question. Let me put it to you. If Adesanya beats Costa, and let's say convincingly, third round TKO, something like that, where does that put him among all-time great middleweight champions? Uh, that's that's a great question. Something I wanted to hit. That uh, you know, what do I love about this fight most? The potential for action, all that great stuff. Well, how about just the fact that like wake up, whether you're a hater or a lover of Izzy, and you've sort of been a day one-ish guy on on recognizing certain things about him with your with your film work. Shout out to Dissected, uh, decent show, not enough BC in it as always, but. Uh, <laughs> Wake up, guys. Adesanya's on, on the way to becoming an all-time great, right? Like, if there's any active fighter, Luke, who isn't there yet in that GOAT conversation, and I'm not saying he's one win away. Like, look, he's, he's in his prime. Let's see what happens. But he's angling toward that GOAT conversation. I'm sorry. You're seeing transcendent all-time great skills, and you're seeing a guy who I'm not sure yet we know how great he can be. Gastelum made him show extra gears and pour it out. And remember, he's the guy coming out in that fifth round. He's the guy finishing strong. So... I see him literally on a path to becoming potentially, you know, conf- competing with Silva for the for the title of greatest middleweight and competing in that vaunted upper room table of five or six people. Yet Costa's as legitimate a guy who could get him out of there in the first three rounds because that's what happens in MMA. If somebody can take it on the chin and keep coming, which Costa can, and just explode on you, I mean, that's why you want to see this because he can completely derail what is angling up to be. And look, I talked to Izzy again. I said, what about the whole idea of being on B? He said, look, I've lost in kickboxing before. I don't you care about that. You got a fly on your face. It's, uh, well, all the there we go. Yeah, that's a big paper, ass baby. fly, bro. God damn. God, can we, you know, please, can we, uh, can we get, can we get that fly COVID tested, please? All right, <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. Uh, I, you know, I just mean that, you know, it doesn't seem to matter to him. He's lost before, but wake up in MMA. He's building something, and the eraser has a chance to, uh, you know, his body is a wonderland, and he has a chance to come in there and just wipe that all over. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I was looking. It depends how you define greatness. So if you look at the other champions that would be at middleweight in contention, obviously Silva, runaway best, no doubt about it. Uh, as good as Adesanya has been, got a long way to go before you match what uh, Silva has done. Okay, so he's number one. But then it gets really complicated. Let me let me tell you this. During the quarantine on CBS Sports, we went division by division in UFC history. And, you know, our staff, Brandon Wise, Brent Brookhouse, and myself, and sort of Jack Crosby sort of voted in, and ranked the greatest top ten in history in every division. Middleweight for number two was the hardest debate Correct. by far. Correct. Because you don't want to say Weidman. But then you look at that that run Weidman had of two silver wins and Machida and Belfort and, you know, packaged it all together. And you're like, well, that's pretty damn strong. Right. And then everybody else who you're – brain is telling you should be ahead of him 
they got a little bit of holes. You know, they don't and have. So many. the other ones would be like Rich Franklin, and okay, he did well, but the only two major wins were Evan Tanner and Nate Quarry. It's early. not early, so that doesn't really count. Rockhold couldn't really hold on to it. Well, yeah, but Rockhold's got some spectacular wins, but not enough of them. As champion, that's the key. So he doesn't have yeah. that one there. Bustamante is to me one of the most underrated and under-respected uh, fighters, frankly, in MMA history. But his length of service there doesn't really count, so that doesn't really do it. Uh, I'm, I'm forgetting somebody, I'm sure, but you, Dave Benet certainly involved in that conversation to a degree. But, not really. Uh, at the back end. Footnote of it. in history. Well, that's only because you're a hater. But the the point being is, if Adesanya gets a win here, to me, it puts him number two. Because then you would wow. have you have yes. Because then it would have the thing is here's what he doesn't have. Like Michael Bisping, for example, held the belt I think for like almost 800 or so days, but he only really defended it against Dan Henderson, who didn't deserve that title shot at all. So the question is like how you measure it. Length of service measures, uh, or I, I, I should say, counts. But to me, if you've beaten, let's see, he beat Gaslam to get the interim title. Then he beat uh, who did he beat Romero? He beat Silva first. So right? no, he would beat Whitaker. Then he beat Romero. I mean, like the Whitaker win is massive. It's massive. The way he and did he, it. And he's just stomped on him. And then if he beats Costa, and again we're talking about in a non-controversial way, that's better than Franklin's run. That's better than Weidman's run. That's better than Bustamante's run. That's better than anybody else's you know run. Who's got a save sneaky claim? You know who's got a sneaky claim in this argument? And my CBS brethren tried to crap all over me. Maybe it's their dislike of TRT. Vitor Belfort. If oh, you let the, the 2013 Mohawk run be in the middle of that, Dan Hendo. Luke Rockhold in his debut, and as champion, and Michael Bisping. Well, not not as champion, but those wins are strong as balls. They're violent. Yeah. They're quick. They're early. Maybe a little tainted. Probably, uh, definitely. I mean, no one is more pro steroids than me, and even I don't take that argument seriously. <laughs> I know he's done other things at light heavyweight and heavyweights. Yeah. You know, if you just you, but you're right. Does it matter more if it happened as champion? Yes. But Luke, in history, outside of Anderson Silva. Who has held the belt for multiple defenses? Very little. I right. think that's why Weidman probably ends uh, up winning We'll do out. a couple more questions on this, and I want to move along to the co-main. Very quickly, biggest weakness both guys have? I think the potential for uh, for Costa straight up is uh, is stamina, and I think it's the fact that he's a little bit more one direction, one dimensional. I mean, I'm not like look, you can't get to this point without having wrinkles, and he can do different things, the head kicks, he can you know body attack and all that. But you know, he's going to come straight line, right? He's right. going to come at you like that. Pretty much. So that mixed with the potential stamina dump is going to be a problem. Um, is he? Here's the thing, Luke. We haven't seen a major hole. His takedown defense against different guys was has been very strong, and What's the what's the biggest weakness is the fact that he's facing a finisher and that facing a guy who if he hits you in the lands clean it could be over no matter who you are. Right. I think that's the biggest weakness, but I think that's why he's the betting favorite in a great and close fight on paper and that's why at the end of the day I can't not go for Izzy in this. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. 
I think the biggest weakness is that for Izzy, it's not a weakness so much as it's just a threat that Costa poses to everybody. People people want to say that because Costa has less technique, that there's some kind of greatness inertia that will carry Adesanya forward. And yes, skills do on balance win fights. I am picking Adesanya to win for those very reasons. But dude, in, if there is any sport where just muscle-bound power and will and a good chin, which, by the way, Costa has, what that services you, it's, it's MMA, much more so than boxing, much more so. You can get much further in MMA. The gloves are smaller. There's more weapons. There's just so much more you can do. If you are a physical marauder in the way that Costa is, you can literally win world titles that way. It's well, not look, an exaggeration. I mean, I, I always said crap on Matt Serra's 11-7 career record, and he's in the Hall of Fame. He's in the Hall of Fame for different reasons. But, right. you know, yeah, in any big title fight against anybody, you know, we always say puncher's chance in boxing, but you have a lot bigger of right. a one-strike chance in MMA. Uh, do you think, by the way, can I just ask you quickly, because yep. you're a big Adesanya guy like me, uh, takedown defense is strong. Do you think, though... Adesanya? Yeah. yeah. Do you think his lack, though, of wrestling prowess and proven submission game at this record will eventually catch up to him? Probably. Probably. Um, you know, it's, there's a reason, I think, St. Pierre sort of regressed to the mean, which was which I mean, which I mean to say, which is, you know, I'm using the term improperly, but what I mean to say is... There's a reason why he went with a style of fighting that controls the variables of chaos much more readily. And I think if you don't do that, it's only a matter of time. And, it, it, and that would be true it was true of Anderson Silva. You stand long enough. Oh, it was an accident the first time. Okay, let's run it back. Then you break your shin. Dude, that's just kind of where the game is. Silva lost those two fights. Weidman didn't win them. Win them. And you'll understand that one day on your deathbed, and I'll be there. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you, you're going to be waiting a long time. One last note about Costa. Uh, we only have one fight where he went all three rounds, okay? Interesting note. People are like, oh, his offense dropped off a cliff. No, his defense dropped off a cliff, okay? Romero landed. These are significant strikes. First round, he uh, landed 32. Second round, 40. Third round, 53. So you see he goes up each round. Here's Costa's numbers landing. 37, round one. 37, round two. 44, round three. His stayed level and then increased a little bit as well. So what you find with Costa is, at least with the first three rounds, his numbers don't drop off. But what I think happens is, one, opponents hit him more, and two, he lands as much or more, but not with the same ferocity. Like, he can make contact, but it's those first eight, nine minutes where I think he's a real serious, hardcore threat. After that... I think Adesanya is probably going to have his way if the fight ends. He's going to stop him in round four, Luke. Think That's so? what's going to happen, okay? All right, so let's go to the co-main event. I know you don't like to make predictions. You don't like to be wrong. I don't, don't like, like to lie to the audience. You don't like to be exposed. Well, you, it's not like you're saying, you know, I'll retire if this is wrong. You're just no, saying who you a, think is going to win. You couldn't possibly know who's Bro, going to win. Bro, why don't you have the balls, to, outside of wiping yourself, to take a stand on this? Because You'll it's take not, a stand on social issues you, up the You horn. equate it to having guts. I equate it to parading knowledge you couldn't possibly have. You are out there being like, I am going to tell you the weather in 2021. Because, no, you're not. Because, look, that's no, our job, okay? No, it's not. Our job is not to tell the audience fuckboy things. Our, our, our job is to give them what the conditions are. You can lean certain ways because you can't ignore probabilities, but you have to have a much more look, balanced conversation. When I sneak up on you and put that rear naked in and in, in, in in it's a tap or nap dilemma for you and you're like, I never thought this skinny guy could squeeze that hard, you'll regret this, this debate right here. Skinny guy. Uh, okay. Let's move on to the co-main event, if we can. 
You know what, BC? People are hating on this fight, and I really don't understand it. Listen, is it the glamour of the main event? No. Do we wish that it was someone, you know, maybe taking the, trying to take the fight to John Jones, a rematch, let's say, with Dominic Reyes? Yeah, we probably do. Dude, it's a perfectly good fight. It's kind of interesting. You got a guy in Jan Blachowicz, discredited, and including by me, throughout the entirety of his career, has consistently gotten better. A guy like Dominic Reyes, who has entered the game kind of late, I would say has a much more modern game. I'm not saying that you should take your pants off and, like Petey Pablo, whip him around your head like a helicopter. Remember that song from the, from no. the aughts? No, I don't. Well, it's because it was an African-American guy. Uh, but here's my point. I have a lot of I have a North lot Carolina, of black, raise I have a lot up. of black friends. Tons yeah, of them. So many, so many black friends. Uh, but here's my point I'm trying to make. It's a great fight. I don't know what – you don't have to make it something that it's not, but what it is is perfectly good. I just think our knee-jerk reaction – because we saw Dom Reyes almost beat John Jones, and maybe you thought he did, was that Blahowitz is a step down. So this is UFC's way of crowning Dom Reyes. You know, he's going to go in there, do what he has to do, and let the Dom Reyes era begin, which is, by the way, is not a bad landing for the UFC when the greatest of all time exits a division that he has dominated through multiple personal issues and kept the train moving. Thank you, DC, for carrying the ball when in the in the meantime of that. But the closer this fight gets, the more I like Blahowitz's chances. Yes, he's a rightful underdog. Yes, it's more of a puncher's chance. But, Luke, he's really patient, sometimes to a fault. You remember that Jacare fight that was just shit? Yeah, that was sucked. your moment to shine in the main event. He chose to just keep the chains moving, and he kind of got lucky with the split decision win. But what that did show me is he's not going to gas himself. He's not going to put himself in, in bad places, and he'll, he'll retain, since he's gone the five-round distance before and proven it, he'll retain a chance to win this fight between the start and the finish point at any point, if it's going to go the distance. It's up to Reyes to do Reyes things to win. He should win. He's the quicker, better striker, more craft, all the all that, and then some tall, pale, and handsome. But, Luke, what if Reyes has already crowned himself? What if Reyes is looking to make a giant splash? If I'm Reyes' team, I say, look, let's be boring, let's be safe, let's win this fight, and then we can start the air the, right. Right after this because you know ever since Jan has been going into that forest and touching the noose of the man who hung himself, he's been given the dark source spiritual powers in that left hook. You know that's not real. No, but it's weird, right? It is certainly weird. Here's the interesting thing about Blahovich. Listen to this. So since 2017, he lost to Patrick Cummings. He actually lost to Gustafson and Patrick Cummings. Oh, he lost to that barista. Are you serious? He did lose to the barista. But hold on. Listen to this. So since then, he beat Devin Clark, very good wrestler, submitted him inside two. Beat Jared Cannonier, beat Jimmy Manoa. Damn. Submitted Nikita, Kr- Nikita Krilov. Now he lost to Thiago Santos. Okay, that's no shame there. KO'd Luke Rockhold, beat Jacare. The fight sucked, but he did win. And then he KO'd Corey Anderson, who had previously beaten him. And during that time, he got a one, two, three, four performance of the night bonuses and a fight of the night bonus. Dude, that's a hell of a run. That's a run to be respected. That's a run to take seriously. He's confident. He's good on the ground. He's not bad, he's really. Not, well, remember, really? against Corey Anderson, Corey Anderson took him down and just controlled him for three rounds. This time, Corey Anderson couldn't do fuck all to him. So the, my point is, he may not look great. He may not be winning rounds, but he will be in a position to win the fight should Reyes give him that chance. The odds on this one, they've got Re- uh, Reyes around, depending where you look, let's say minus 270. They've got Blahovich at a plus 240, so a fairly significant favorite for Reyes. Do you agree with that? Yes, because of the skills. He's a, if he just says, I'm going to focus on boxing 
mixed body shots, you know, use my speed. Look, he surprised us against John, correct? John Jones, in terms of his elusiveness and his uh, aggressive. I mean, look. Surprised the whole, you, Bama. The whole package me. of boxing that he showed that this this wasn't the Vulcan Uzdemir fight. But if Blahowitz can play the role of Vulcan, and I'm not talking about knock people out in a Fort Lauderdale drinking establishment. <laughs> I'm just talking about be the bigger man. Uh, maybe allow the fight to happen on his terms on the inside. Be a clinch war. I think that's where Jan's going to hang around, Luke. I don't think he can win a decision, though. He's going to have to get the KO. And it, Here, Here's where it's going to get interesting. Reyes' game is more modern. He started MMA later and has just all the best practices that come with with. They didn't teach him all the old things that don't really matter anymore. Blahovich still has some of that. He's a little bit more of like the standard Muay Thai striker. He's more than that, obviously, but he he has a lot of that still left in him. Reyes, his whole game is built on motion. The whole idea is if I can get somebody in motion, through that motion I can be elusive and I can create uh, offensive openings against Blahovich. To the extent that Reyes is fresh, that's a problem for Blahovich. Here's the problem. He fell off a fucking cliff into the championship rounds against John Jones, and Jones chewed his ass up. You already talked about the fact that Blahovich is patient, bro, and he's tough and he's durable, and he has fought every kind of fighter, including ones that have more modern skill sets, and more often than not got his hand raised. To me, the later this one goes, much more famous yes, Blahovich. because Blahovich, like, he's not going to be overwhelmed by the moment, right? He's no. just a solid dude. Not spectacular in that lack of spectacularness, right? Like, not walking down Jacare and trying to make a statement. It's never going to make him a star, but you don't have to try to make yourself a star. You win the title, you become a star. Can't wait to see if this fight gets there, what those final rounds look like. A couple of small notes from the card. Juan Espino, who's been out for almost two years after winning Ultimate Fighter, he is back. He's from the Canary Islands, which I didn't know this. They, uh, this is the part of Spain where they don't say the S as a th. Did you know that? Or the C as a th. Unlike you, I'm, I'm really not you know blown away by uh, Latin and Spanish pronunciations of things, you know? Including their own, including their own languages. Okay, whatever. All right. Spain is maybe the greatest country on earth. Just want to point. I've never been there. You know where I've been? Together, we're going to go. USA. Okay. Yeah, it's a great place too. All right. We're going to go to Spain together, and I'm going to blow your mind. Uh, Anyway, he's back in this fight. uh, This card, rather. Um, The let's see. You've got uh, you know uh, one fight I like uh, opening the pay per view main card. Yes. Hakeem Duado taking on Zubaira to Google. Okay, so Zubaira, he's he's had some great wins, especially that one up in the in the octagon after UFC 229. He got he got some punches in. I think. He's untapped. Like, like he has a large ceiling. We're going to find out. What, what has he done so far in the octagon? So he has like, – he's been fighting in the octagon since 2014. Remember, he had a bit of a suspension and some time off. I think he had some USADA issues, if memory serves. He beat Who Doug- hasn't, right? Who, out, of the, out of all of us, right? I know. He beat Douglas Silva de Andrade, Ernest uh, Chavez. That guy fought in the UFC, didn't know. Felipe Nover, he got a win over. Then he lost to Hanato Moicano via split, but there's no shame there. Had a draw against Lerone Murphy in September of 2019. Then in February, came back and viciously KO'd Kevin Aguilar. Duadu has the uh, all or nothing, I'm going to come in there and KO you type thing. Uh, a bit, yeah. He's very, very good. I think he was in World Series of Fighting for a long time. He's going to yeah. run himself into a loss here. Right? He has some yeah. wins. He had wins over Steven Seiler. He's got wins over Austin Arnett, Kyle Bokniak, and then uh, Julio Arce as a split decision. Can I really stereotype you? When in doubt in modern MMA, you've said this before, if a Russian guy shows up with an Abraham Lincoln beard, bet on him. Yeah, pretty much. they got a Z and a V in her name and an Amish beard. Yes, yes. That guy is not to He's be trifled He's angry. With. He's going to win. Thank you. All right, so let me ask you this. 
well, before we stop talking about this card, give me one storyline or fight independent of what we've already talked about that you got your eye on for UFC 253. Um, look, I don't like the name Kai Kara France. I've sort of been get this guy away from me. It just weirds me out. But uh, Yeah, I mean, I, another culture, right? I mean, who, yeah, you got why some would nerve, I like huh? that? As a flyweight, though, he's putting some wins together. He's starting to look pretty damn good. He's from the damn city kickboxing. And I don't know if it's like everybody who steps in there, ma- you know, magically becomes a great fighter, although Brad Riddell also on this card is looking very good as well. But who's he going in there against? He's going in there against... Who, uh, Kai Kara France? Yeah. Brandon Royville. And Royville, if you remember, just had that somewhat spectacular submission over Tim Elliott, and he looked great in there. This is going to be an interesting fight. With a win here, if he can get it, I think we're going to have to start talking about Kai Kara in the damn uh, title picture, in the larger picture. The flyweight's heating up. He was on that season of the Ultimate Fighter when they did the championship flyweight season. So he, on the regional scene, has already been quite uh, decorated. He's trying to get to that next level. For How about me, Sarge Eubanks turning around on like one day notice? Super here? fast against Ketlin Vieira. She got her hands full, too. Yes, but I will say this. Sarge Eubanks... So um, she she started out with Team Lloyd Irvin, so I knew her from the D.C. area, and she was a gi and no gi jiu-jitsu competitor, and she was well-known. World-class. F- absolutely. She was a force to be reckoned with. And then I don't know how she ended up with the East Coast Super Friends, Ricardo Almeida and Mark Henry up in the um, New Jersey. And at first it was a little bit of trying to figure her game out. She's gotten pretty good, dude. She's on quite the run. I thought moving up in weight was going to was gonna ruin her. No, it but didn't she's, at it's all. It's working out well. So, uh, Ketlin Vieira is no one to be uh, trifled with, but that should be a fun fight at women's bantamweight. The one I've got my eye on is the one where you have the biggest lopsided odds. Diego Sanchez is on this card, taking on Jake Matthews. And here's the thing about this fight, which I think has got my, my attention. You look at this, you say to yourself, how old is Jake Matthews? He's still in his 20s. He's yeah. 26 years old. 26 years old, and he has how many fights? He's got 20 fights. He's 16 and 4. He just beat Emil Weber Mech in February of 2020, and before that, Rostam Akman at 243, although he did lose to Anthony Rocco Martin. However, Rocco Martin's pretty good, okay? Kayla Here's Harrison's a, male friend, right? Uh, uh, they may not be together anymore. Oh, wow. i gotta, okay. I got to see about All that. Right. Here's, check, here, check your DMs, Kayla. Here, here's, here, please don't be weird. Here's the interesting part about this. The odds have Matthews at a minus 750. They've got Diego sitting at plus 525. It's like a boxing main event, okay? Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it's lopsided. If there is anyone who has shown a capacity to collapse under expectations, it's Jake Matthews. Now, that's a little bit unfair because, hello, he's got 20 fights and he's still just 26 years old. This is the part of his career where he should be really be moving into solidifying, uh, not his status per se, but what kind of future he might be able to have. He should make short work, uh, easy work, of Diego Sanchez. Is he going to? I hope he does. And I don't mean that against Diego, but I don't want to keep seeing Diego take punishment. And I'm almost scared by this little run that he's on. He got the DQ win against Michelle Pineda, which, you know, was kind of lame. He didn't really deserve. Yep. And, you know, I, look, I'll give him credit for that Mickey Gall win where, where you know, you wanted to count him out. But uh, I don't know. At some point, there's going to be nothing left in there. What's his coach's name, your buddy there? Uh, he hit me up again, by the way. Joshua name? Fabio. Joshua Fabio. Hopefully, Joshua he wanted, Fabio he wants to do another interview. Has had the crystals out and the incense, and hopefully they're uh, snorting someone's dead remains. And I think that's how they prepare for a fight. I don't know if it'll be good enough, but did you see him doing the weird things in the airport on the embedded yeah, show? Yeah, that's the least of my concerns with Diego. Is doing Monty Python silly walks in the airport and waiting for his flight. I don't care about that. Yeah, Fabio, Fabio hit me up and was like, uh, "I want to do another interview, but the only condition is it has to be live." Meanwhile, these two dudes DM me after the interview I did with them on SiriusXM, telling me I was the problem. You know, I was I was the one who was making them look bad. I'm like, I'm pretty sure 
fellas, I'm not the guy that did yeah. that. Just to be yeah, clear, check about yourself. It. By the way, you got to tell the people how badly you've sweat up that dress shirt on. Oh, that I'm like today? Patrick. I need to, who was the guy? You remember when Patrick Ewing would dunk at the Garden, and then he would go to the side of the court. They still have them now, but I remember like they had to have four of them, jo- them joints. They have the guys with the huge brooms, and yes. they would soak up yes. all the sweat. Yes. Yeah, I need that. I'm sweating like a whore in church. Uh, all right. And, and I make weird references, please. All right. Okay. Um, so with that in mind, and by the way, this will be the this will be the there's two pay-per-views next month, or I should say, no, sorry, 254 is in October. So we're not in October yet. Which is what is 254? Is that the Habib one? Yeah, that okay. will be at the afternoon time. So yes. it'll be evening time in Abu Dhabi. And that night. Gervonta Davis uh, against uh, Leo, really? Leo Santa Cruz. Showtime October just keeps trying to go up head-to-head. With well, they're Houston. not going head-to-head. That's going to be at night, all right? Ah, that's and right. Yes, yes, yes. Good get point. Get the damn Mohegan, all right? Still, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of ducats to figure out if you uh, like both sports. All right, speaking of both sports, BC, here we are. This is the part where our audience dreads. <laughs> they love boxing talk here on uh, Morning Combat. But in all seriousness, this is just a hell of a card. Yeah, they better wake up and realize that this is a hardcore boxing fan's dream right. to see two stars in the Charlos in legitimately, arguably, the toughest test of their careers. Also, here's the thing. If you, if MMA taught me anything, it taught me to like amateur wrestling. Not to the degree that I love MMA, but it gave me a respect. It gave me a healthy respect, obviously, for jiu-jitsu, for boxing, for kickboxing. I don't like them, as I mentioned, I don't like them all the same. But, dude, boxing is great, and not because it's... It's great because it's different than MMA. Uh, there are obviously numerous similarities, but there are also things you can appreciate about one sport that it doesn't offer for the other, and vice versa. MMA offers things to you that uh, boxing cannot, and vice versa. For me, when you have a super compelling back-and-forth 12-round main event, there's just more story arc to follow than in a five-round main event. But at the same time, a blood-and-guts five-round war like Lawler versus Condit you just don't see kind of... Lawler McDonald was better, just two. It's, uh, it was a better fight, but it wasn't a better melee. I think that's the part. That, you can, a five-round fight that you're going to say was a better melee? Really? Where Lawler ends up stopping McDonald? That's, that's, that's a better melee versus the one that did not and then changed both Some their careers? Some people don't even consider Lawler Condit an all-time great action fight. Yeah, well, it's because they're stupid. Who cares what they think? In any event, speaking of action fights, we're at the home of Gotti versus Ward. We're yes, here for the we Charlo are. brothers. Yes, we are. Shout out to Connecticut, right? My state, my people, so, okay? So here's how it goes, BC. Two main events. One card will start at 7 p.m. in the east. There will be an intermission where BC and I will host that show. Then there will be a 10 p.m., I'm guessing roughly a 10 p.m. show start time. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It will, it will entirely depend on how the first card yeah. goes, basically. Let's just say, for all intents and purposes, at 10 p.m. start time. And what will happen there is the second card will happen. They, each of those cards is headlined by one of the Charlo brothers. Let's start with the first card because, to me, that's the one I'm actually most interested in in terms of the main Ooh, event itself. Okay, okay. Jamal Charlo, who is the technically the bigger of the brother. Don't tell Jamal Charlo that. He'll ream you out on Facebook or Instagram. As Jamal said the other day, I, I'm older by one long minute. <laughs> he, he's trying to stretch that out. Jamal's trying to close that gap and be the alpha of the I, group. So I rewatched uh, Jamal going apeshit on Instagram. Yes, over about his brother. Yes. Jesus Christ. He lost his mind about it. Okay, but he is at 160 pounds, Jermel, 150. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Jermel at 154. So he's going up against Sergei Derevyanchenko. I love this fight. We've already talked about it. It's the toughest test of Jamal's career. Put it in layman's terms for the MMA fans. Watch you do the form. Explain. Right, explain you, help them understand what is at stake. What's what are the roles people are playing? All right. In general, here's the Charles, 30-year-old twin brothers, both world champions, brash, unapologetic, and they fight that way too. Equal parts. 
boxing speed and power and athleticism and big surge. Both Charlos don't throw a ton of punches, but they're very efficient and they look for that finishing blow and they typically get it. What Jamal's going to do here, he had won a title at 54, moved up to middleweight because of boxing's political landscape, had had some knockouts and nice wins, but hadn't welcomed an elite foe. Now he has it in Derevchenko. Who's Sergey Derevchenko? Ukrainian, giant amateur career, turns pro here, 34 years old, and in just 12, 13 pro fights, has already pushed two of the best middleweights of the last decade, Danny Jacobs and Canelo. I'm sorry, Danny Jacobs and, and uh, Gennady, to the absolute limit, falling just short by split or or, or close unanimous decision. So Luke, it's going to come down to this. Jermall's the bigger fighter against Derevchenko. He's going to have a speed advantage. He's going to have a power advantage. But what Derevchenko does so great, combining the footwork of that Ukrainian amateur system, getting inside, and once he's inside, letting go with punches, but not in a reckless brawl sort of way, more in a confined, clean, and accurate punches. But... The more you do that against a sniper like Jamal Charlo, the more you're going to set up combustion. And while Darren Vinchenko has come so close against Golovkin and Jacobs but couldn't sway the judges, I don't know exactly. He's going to be the toughest test to date for Jamal. But how does he win this fight? That's going to be interesting. Yeah. He's going to have to suffocate Jamal. He's going to have to force Jamal to throw even less than he normally does because, look, among active middleweights, according to CompuBox, Sergey Davinchenko attempts the most amount of punches per round. Jermall attempts the least amount of active middleweights. Right. So he's got to keep that number down low by landing, by getting inside, and by giving Jermall uh, something to think about. Eventually, Jermall's going to line him up and counter. We've seen David Chico. He can get knocked down, but he can get back up. This is going to be very fun because it's not going to be a scientific boxing match. Right, Sergey's going to get inside. To an extent, it has to be if you're if you're Charlo. You're not going to out guts. Derevyanchenko. You're not going to outgrind Derevyanchenko. He's not built for that. Here's my question. Let's say Charlo wins fifth round KO. What does that do for his career? Who who what 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 kind of opportunities is Charlo lined up for if he scores a victory that emphatic against an opponent that good? He leaps to the stratosphere of the division, which means you're ready for the giant pay-per-view matchups, the kind, Luke, to be honest, that cross over to different networks and promoters. Like, how do we get the people on the other side of the street in here? Normally, it's by becoming such a big star that people they that have th to make it. The demand is so big. So if he is able, and it's in play, for Dervinchenko to get inside on him, but Charlo land the boom. And again, we don't know if Charlo's a bigger puncher than Gennady or Danny Jacobs. We have to see him on the elite level to find out if he can do that and if he can use names afterwards in the microphone angrily like hey canelo right hey canelo alvarez come see me that's when we're going to start banging that drum he already believes he's the best middleweight in the world and he might be but if he beats sergey derevchenko he's going to have a very strong stance because jacobs moved up uh canelo is is, is floating right between 60 and 75 golovkin's kind of on the way out of the sport right. there's an opening right there now, uh, obviously, if Derevyanchenko wins, this would be against Jacobs, fell short. Against Triple G, fell short. I remember watching that live. I think it was on DAZN. I, I, again, there's so many Triple G fanboys were like, no way, wasn't that close. At a bare minimum, folks, that fight was close. I scored it for Derevyanchenko, but okay, at a bare minimum. Savage. He pushed him to the limits. It was ridiculous. There's still pieces of Sergey's face on the floor at Madison Square Garden. I mean, right? what does Triple G do? He backs you up against the ropes and unloads. Dervianchenko was doing that to him multiple stretches of that fight. So if he wins third time's a charm, does it does it transform Dervianchenko's career? It certainly must, right? Oh, it has to. It has to. And he's like the the elite uncrowned champion of this division, but you know, if you come up short three times against the three best fighters, 
you know, that might be the end. He's 34 years old. Right. So, you know, the, one thing we're not talking about. I want green belt. He, he fought his face off. Literally, his face fell off, Nicolas Cage, against Gennady. I know that was last fall, but, like, sometimes, Scar tissue sometimes you lose the ghost in one night, right? Sometimes you pour whatever is left in you. I know he's had a small pro career, but 34, he's had a long career when you consider the amateur. You have to wonder if the damage, whatever, he's in there against a bigger fighter. It's going to be an uphill climb, but he is in play. He is in this fight. Jamal has never seen this level of skill and aggression together, so right. can't freaking wait. I'm spitting all So over then there's going to be right? the intermission, which we're, we, he and I will take over, and then... We go to the second card. Jermel Charlo will be taking on Jason Rosario. To me, this one is interesting, but for different reasons. I personally, and I could be totally wrong about this, I don't view Rosario as quite the challenge that I do for Derevianchenko, although I take seriously that he's got two belts that are not necessarily an accident. But Jermel Charlo is considered by Boxing Insiders of the two brothers to be the one that's a little bit more technically sophisticated, maybe the better pure boxer of the two, he got the early start with Golden Boy when Jamal did not, right? So he, he, I think he had, like, double-digit fights as a pro before Jamal ever really got in there. Okay, set the scene for us there. Jamal, a little bit chattier of the two, by the way, between the two brothers as well. What is he looking for here? Really, it's the it's got to be the title unification aspect. Yeah, obviously, look, 154 is the deepest division in the sport. It really is. You may have bigger stars at welterweight, but top to bottom, when we have names like Lara, J-Rock, Jared Hurd, on and on, it's so freaking deep. Tony Harrison's another one. Uh, the winner of this fight will have three of four belts. You're talking about the power player in the division. I think collectively we all agree. Jermel Charlo split the fights with Tony Harrison but knocked him out in the rematch. He's your number one sort of pound-for-pound best uh, super welterweight, junior middleweight, whatever you want to say, at 154. So he should be favored, and he will be. He's the better counterpuncher. He's got the better craft. He's quick and all that. But that unknown factor about what Banana brings to the table, Jason Rosario, really banana, is really okay. what makes this fight so fun. I've said it before. I said it again. We don't know how great Rosario is. Jermel sure don't know. And even Jason doesn't know. Why? Right. Because he's 25, and he only had his first real training camp ever as a pro fighter 20 fights into his career against Julian Williams in January when he upset him by knockout. So this is a guy who's kind of just coming into his own. Very small resume at the very top. Is that a one great night against J-Rock? Is it fool's gold because J-Rock's a great fighter, but we've seen Jamal Charlo send him to hell in, in, in a close fight as well with a big knockout. Is it a little bit of fool's gold, or is Jason Rosario feeling himself and finding out who he is? The thing I love most about Banana is that he told Banano. me, I'll box 12 rounds if I have to if Charlo makes me, but I want to go to war. That's what I do. I've got a big banana right here for him. He didn't say right here. He said right here, brother. And it's, it's got to do Jermel's it. chin waiting for it. I cannot wait to see what happened, Luke. Will you put that down and stop being weird? Now you broke the desk, fucker. When he lands on Jermel's chin, I do think the more aggressive Rosario is, he will speed up his own exit. I do like Jermel by knockout, but I will break this set to show you how excited I am for this. If fight. you actually go and look at the fight that uh, Banano lost, yeah, they're begging us to break, I will the break set. The, What are you going to do? What are you going to do? All right? Give you a better haircut? We're going to give you a better haircut. Look at Jay in my ear. You know what I'm saying? Here's the point. Jay, come see me. Come see me, bro. All Who right? was it? Was it the was it the was it the Galmore fight that he lost? Galmore, yeah. Galmore. Yeah. If you actually I went and watched that fight, he was playing the inside game with that opponent for the entirety of it. Now he ended up losing, but he tried. He can't do it like Derevianchenko can do it to Jermall. He's not that sophisticated a player. So he actually might get – there's a lot of ways he could end up – can you worry about that in a minute? Can we make this point without you being distracting there, Ikea? Stop for just a moment, please. Thank you. 
Yes, leave it. Quit fucking around. Hey, uh, Jay, hey, Jay, why don't you F off? All right. Bro, well, right? I was going to make a point, but who cares anymore? I mean, there you go. Anything else in the card people should care about there, fucko? It's a loaded undercard. Four, yeah, we, we're going to wrap. Four fights. Uh, look, the 122 division is going to be on parade here with three fights, two for titles, one f- featuring former champions. You may come out talking a lot about Luis Neri, 25-year-old softball from Mexico, one of the big, biggest punchers in the game. Big power. You talk about banana. He's got a hammer in this left hand, all right? Uh, so, as we mentioned, there's two main events, six fights total. The, if you discount the main events, as he indicated, there's four other fights, right? Three of those are 122. The last of those is going to be John Rael Casimiro at 118, so just one weight class down against Duke Micah. I've tr- dude, I have tried. I said this on the weigh-in show. Uh, no, excuse me, the, uh, the presser. I have tried to verify this dude's record. Wikipedia says he's got 15 fights all in Africa. Some sites say he has 24 fights. I can't find it. VoxRec doesn't say it. Either way, I do believe this is his U.S. debut, and as I said before, his average. We can ask him. I mean, yeah, uh, we'll we ask him. His average output in terms of like how long a fight lasts is five and a half rounds. He might be in for a wake-up call on Saturday night. I don't think that fight is going to go five and a half rounds unless. Well, Casemiro is a huge very. Power. This is a great fight. Casemiro is a very late starter. Right. Six of his twenty knockouts in the tenth round or later. He doesn't throw enough punches, but he's tough as balls. By the way, four fighters in Filipino history have won titles in three divisions: Manny Pacquiao, Donny Nietes, Nonito Donare. You, you know, this guy, John Real Casemiro, is putting together 14 wins in a row, a very good career. This is going to be a good fight, okay? Get ready. Okay. Don't, gonna, don't, don't go to the bathroom, okay? Are you going to break anything else? I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Besides my will good? to do the show? We're good? We good? We good here? No, we good? let me uh, say goodbye properly. Okay. Uh, at, so let's plug this. So in about an hour, we are going to be back on Showtime or the, the YouTube channel for the weigh-ins for this 11, event. 11 Eastern. 11 in the Eastern. 11 Eastern. Then... Uh, what are we doing later today? We're going to do another Room Service Diaries sometime Yeah, this check evening. us out on CBS Sports HQ, by the way. Later today, we'll be live at 6 o'clock. we got another, our third and final Room Service Diaries later tonight. We're yep. going to film. And then tomorrow is the big day, the pay-per-view. We will be the intermission show between the first Charlo and second Charlo cards. Yeah? All right. If you want to try Showtime, you certainly can. Go to Showtime.com right now for a 30-day free trial. Please do that. By the way, we've got a, pl- a lot of places you can catch us uh, on social, BC. He's got an Instagram. I've got an Instagram. He's got a Twitter. I've got a Twitter. And now Morning Combat has a Twitter and a YouTube page, yeah. obviously, and uh, a Instagram, all of them with the same name. Makes it very simple, unlike me and BC, who have a 1,000 different names for each of our accounts. And by the way, this is live. You can go to YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. The uh, vanity URL works. Did you know that? No, I don't know what that means, but uh, had a great time with you guys. Today. As opposed to like X two five seven Z Z three one Johnson rods nerd bombers. You always YouTube dot com. Like, hey BC, why do you think this light looks blue? It's because of the technological. You know, all right. Yeah. All right. Why? 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 Why learn about how things work? All right. Uh, like desks. All right. That is BC. I am Luke Thomas from CBS Sports. We'll see you guys about an hour for the weigh-ins. Until then, may all of your gains be loyal.